What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the ShowMeFootball.com podcast. And the Kansas City Chiefs moved ten and one on the season after defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twenty-seven to twenty-four. We'll get into all that good stuff, but uh, you know, my opening just kind of thoughts. And this has been a theme for a few weeks now. That game was a lot closer than it needed to be, uh, but we'll get into it a ton more, like I said. But as always, uh, I'm going to introduce Connor. Uh, and Connor, your initial thoughts on the game? Uh, I think that there's uh, one reason why this game was a lot closer than it was, and that one reason is named Frank Clark. Yeah, that's fair. That's really fair, honestly. Uh, I think it can be allocated to several different things, but he was a big one. I mean, he cost us basically half the Buccaneers playing field or length of the field that they had to go um, with his two penalties. Uh, he has not done anything. You know what? Actually, throw everything out the window that we were going to do uh, in order. Uh, let's just talk about Frank Clark. I want to get it out of the way because I know we were going to talk about him. Um, you know, he hasn't done anything in several weeks still. Uh, pass rush in general hasn't, but Frank Clark's been one of my biggest criticisms or one of the biggest like people that, how do I say that? Gosh, I can't talk. Uh, he's one of the people that I've criticized the most on the team. Uh, and that's mostly because he's the highest paid on the defensive line. And he's just done absolutely, he's not, not even the highest paid on the defensive line, highest paid on the defense. And he's done absolutely nothing. Uh, and he finally touches the quarterback today a couple of times, but both times it was a flag. The first one, uh, yeah, you can't do that. Basically hit him in the head. Second time, uh, he wasn't even there on time, but for some reason just stuck his hand up Brady's helmet. Yeah, I feel like uh, the same could be said for Chris Jones uh, with the whole overpaid defensive lineman who just doesn't show up anymore. And it really hurts to say because Chris Jones – is one of my – he's probably my favorite player on the team at this point. And I'm kind of starting to get turned off on him with the fact that he seemingly has just taken his money and ran. Uh, but Frank Clark, we knew that he took his money and ran a long time ago. Uh, well, now, I don't know where they're running, but they're not running anywhere on the field to get to the quarterback. They're not running towards Tom Brady unless he's already gotten rid of the ball. Yeah. But the thing with Chris <laughs> Jones is – at least Chris Jones doesn't do anything. Uh, well, it, I mean, I shouldn't say that as an overall statement, but today he didn't do anything. But Frank Clark did something, and it helped the Buccaneers. I'd rather a player not do anything than be a detriment to the team. Uh, on here, uh, Chris Jones has the same defensive stats as Andrew Wiley. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, Clark got an assisted tackle. I think that was like really early on in the game. But outside of that, nothing. Oh, out, uh, outside of the penalties, of course. Jeez. Yeah, uh, it's frustrating. The pass rush overall has been frustrating. I mean, it's the highest paid position group on the team. And I wrote an article a few weeks back um, on uh, what's wrong with Frank Clark or something going on. And a lot of people scoffed at the articles and like, what are you talking about? Frank Clark, the shark or whatever they call him. I don't know what he did to even deserve that nickname. Uh, I just see nothing now. And I think a lot more people are starting to agree with me slowly um, um, in little intervals or 
increments, I guess, uh, if you will. Uh, but the thing is, is Clark, uh, he just, he's not helping anything at all. And it's just so, so frustrating. I mean, just no pass rush at all. Uh, we were averaging two sacks per game um, as a team uh, before the Raiders game, I believe, or before the Panthers game. And that's gone down a lot. Like, I don't, did we even sack Teddy Bridgewater? I don't remember, but that's like three straight games with zero sacks. Yeah, it's wait no. Uh, Okafor got to Brady today. Oh, uh, you're right. My bad. My bad. Best defensive end on the team, folks. Alex Okafor. Didn't you say you wanted to like cut him for cap space like last week or something? Uh, yes. Uh, next season, I wouldn't be opposed to that idea just because I don't think he really brings enough to justify his cap hit. Um, I think he's you say solid. that when he shares uh the line with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Yeah, well, another thing, uh, too, and this isn't even uh, criticizing Okafor, but uh, now that you bring him up, uh, I don't... When ever in the history of football has putting a defensive end on a wide receiver or tight end worked? Can we stop putting our defensive ends out in coverage? It doesn't work. You cannot put Alex Okafor and Rob Gronkowski, okay? Just stop doing it, Spags. Stop. Stop putting defensive ends in coverage. I don't know what football coaches need to hear that, but listen up now. Stop putting defensive ends in coverage yeah they're it kind of remind it's obviously not as egregious but it reminds me when bob sutton would have uh justin houston cover antonio brown <laughs> yeah don't remind me yeah i mean the defense as a whole was really frustrating uh, they do the standard thing defenses do with Tom Brady is they watch the receiver catch it and then they tackle. But overall, I would say the secondary was wasn't bad. Sorensen, I noticed struggled at times, but to me, it didn't seem like Fenton and Legarius Sneed had bad games at all. Tyron uh, spent most of the game roaming, and I really didn't notice Thornhill too much. But I did notice Charvarius Ward, and Charvarius Ward was god-awful. And I want DeAndre well, Baker on the field as soon as possible. Yeah, uh, I, I can agree there. Um, but I will say one thing about Thornhill. He did get burned by uh, Chris Godwin on one of his catches. And I don't even know what the deal is with Thornhill anymore. Andy Reid said last week that he's become a situational safety, whatever that means. So... Uh, hopefully he he gets back to where he was because I think the safety play has been, has dipped quite a bit. I mean it's gotten to the point where they're throwing Armani Watts out there on big plays. Um, and I I loved the Armani Watts pick when it happened, but let's just be real about what he is at this point. He's not really someone you want on the field in those situations, and uh, the fact they feel the need to throw him out there a little bit concerning. Which makes the Marcus Kemp signing even more bizarre, right? Like, you cut Tedrick Thompson when you obviously don't have confidence in your safeties. It's just weird to me. Yeah, for sure. And then, you, and then, especially when you have someone like Ricky Seals-Jones, who you make inactive every single week. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ricky Seals-Jones, this is your weekly reminder that Nick Kaiser sucks and should be off the team. That is all. Yeah. Um, speaking of inactives, though, gosh, we're all over the place, but I love the um, conversations we're um, creating. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
the inactive list had uh, Colin Saunders on there, and it just be- and it kind of became apparent to me that Sean Wharton has kind of played Colin Saunders off the field, and that's just kind of sad because, well, I mean, you figure maybe you know Mike Pennell won't be around forever. Maybe Derek Noddy prices himself out of Kansas City, and eventually there's a spot for Saunders, but. Right now, I mean, that's assuming that, you know, a spot opens up. But right now, um, it looks like Colin Saunders just kind of isn't really good enough to be on the field. So I don't I don't know what's going on there, what the plan is. And, you know, maybe we're just lucky we found someone like Wharton and we just take the L and move on. But that pick could be end up being another Veach indictment. And I like the pick originally, and he came in that draft class with uh, – McCole and Juan, so I, I liked it at the time, but it just kind of well, turns I mean, out last he's not really year, doing anything. Everyone thought that draft class was amazing. You know, McCole and Juan were both impact players until Juan got hurt. I think everyone kind of universally liked the Saunders pick. In uh, uh, Frank Clark made a couple coverage sacks in the playoffs, so everyone is acting like trading that first round pick was a wonderful idea. And then Rashad Fenton came in at the end of the year and became a really solid corner. So I think everyone was kind of giving that draft class an A+. But now Frank Clark has become exactly what we've been saying he is. Uh, Andy seems to have lost confidence and won. McColl has significantly regressed. He is just terrible in the return game. And Fenton's still good. But yeah, and then Saunders, like you were talking about. And my logic is kind of, uh, I feel like the team has made up for it in ways when they find guys like Taco Charlton or Emmanuel Agba or guys like DeAndre Baker fall on their lap. Like those are the kind of moves that kind of make up for stuff like this to Sean Morton, another one we just mentioned. Um, but yeah, that draft class is starting to, uh, their trajectory is starting to go down a little bit. Uh I've kind of what I've kind of learned about McColl is they like him more as kind of that um that for that where Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill is. People kind of are like, Well, why hasn't McColl Hardman passed Sammy Watkins on the death chart? Well, because McCall Hardman isn't an X. Like he's not a Sammy Watkins type receiver, and that's not where where the Chiefs need him in the offense. Uh, that's why you saw McColl be so effective when Tyree Kill was out and injured last year. But you know, you hope he. The, but the thing. Then my question is like, well, then why did you draft McColl? Because Tyreek's not going anywhere. So I I don't know. Uh, but hopefully they work him more into the lineup eventually. Right now, that's just yeah. Kind of but rough. you know who didn't look rough? Mahomes. You know, last week I was talking about how Mahomes kind of was looking flat and not himself. He's kind of became like a boring pocket passer. Throw all of that out. This was probably, uh, I don't know if it was his best game, but it was definitely up there. He looked phenomenal all game. Yeah, had McCall Hardman caught one of those passes that looked like it would have gone for a touchdown, like in the third quarter, I think it was, uh, Mahomes would have, broken the single game passing record i believe so but anyway either way he finishes with 462 yards and three touchdowns and then someone else who had a excuse me someone else who had a really big game tyree kill 
13 catches for 270 yards and three touchdowns. He even looked like he was going to have the all-time receiving record or receiving yards in the game record. Um, That would have been amazing, but uh, it's okay. He still finishes with 270. And then Travis Kelsey, um, also 82 receiving yards. And uh, I believe he's like uh, 20 yards or less short of that – 1,000 yard season once again, and a one a 1,000 yard season, 11 weeks in. Yeah, and another takeaway uh, for the offense that I had was that they're starting to use Le'Veon better. Now, I'm still not crazy about the way they use Le'Veon. I still think that he should be on the field more. Maybe not necessarily get more touches, but he should certainly be on the field more. But I thought they used him really well in the first half. Second half, they kind of just left him behind but i really like the way they used him in the first half i thought my in my personal opinion i feel like he's kind of outplayed clyde edwards hilaire in his share of the snaps he averaged a full yard better than clyde yeah that's what i'm looking at right now and then uh Le'Veon was also effective in the passing game also there was that one play where they uh gave it to Le'Veon out in the flat and it looked like it was going to be like a five yard loss makes a couple guys miss turns it into like a six yard gain and i was like that that's amazing um and you know clyde has that ability too to make guys miss like that not to the level uh, of Le'Veon i mean that's yeah i mean Le'Veon he's just been doing it for so long in the nfl but uh you know, the offense overall, really good day, I feel like. But there were a lot of drives where they left a lot of points out there, and you're like, what's going on? Why is Andy being so conservative? Why are they running the ball on second and long? Um, didn't really like that. They had several chances to just put that um, dagger in Tampa Bay, and they just never did. And that's kind of become the Andy Reid special. He did. He went like you were saying earlier. He wants to respect the opponent and stuff like that. I'm tired of that, dude. I don't want to be. I, I, you know how happy I would be if we could just like start recording the podcast in the fourth quarter. I don't need technical difficulties. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I, I was bringing up the defense though, and how I feel like Andy puts a lot of blind faith in our defense. It seems like sometimes. And there, there was that point last year where the defense was like turned around. You're like, wow, this defense, I'm so impressed with how far they've come. We haven't really seen that this year. It seems like they've gone back to their 2018 form in a lot of ways, just letting other teams march down the field or they put together a couple of drives or, or force a couple three and outs. You're like, yeah, there you go. And then all that progress is kind of lost. Um and they started allowing a bunch yeah, of points Yeah, it's really again. concerning, uh, especially when you're trying to win a second Super Bowl in two years. Um, you know, because you know, obviously winning the second is harder than winning the first. And the saying goes, defense wins championships, which is really true. The defense showed up at the end of the season last year, and we were champions. So we kind of need that moment to come. I mean, at least we're winning games. We haven't gone on a losing skid yet. I feel like that losing skid could still probably come because every year Andy has one. I'm going to be very surprised if we go 15-1. and one. We're probably going to lose at least one more game that we should win. But honestly, maybe a loss here before the playoffs would do us some good uh, because before we started recording, you said that the uh, – 
defense and the team as a whole needs to start treating some of these really close games as losses. So maybe if one of we drop one of these games, uh, that will kind of kick the defense into gear. Yeah, uh, and particularly the pass rush. I just wish they would do something because it seems like they're more focused on their Twitter defense than their actual on-field defense. Yeah, Chris Jones has gone from a game record to completely invisible. It hurts to say because he was my favorite player, and Frank Clark is awful as always. And I honestly would not be shocked to see both of them traded in the offseason for assets if they continue to play this poorly. Yeah, I mean, let's say, let's just say they finish the season with like one or two more sacks as a pair. I mean, you seriously have to ask yourself some questions. And I don't think folks should be like, oh my God, they just said we should trade Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Like, I don't think that's necessarily what we're saying, but it becomes a conversation because, I mean, you just cannot have this type of performance uh, with the uh, resources you're putting into the position. I still think we should trade Frank Clark, but that's for other reasons. Yeah. I would definitely be open to that, but Chris Jones, uh, I I think he has a longer at this point because uh, he hasn't – Chris Jones doesn't have as many streaks where he doesn't do anything as much as Frank Clark. Everyone has a price, but I want to actively shop Chris Jones uh, until uh, next season if he continues doing this crap for a whole nother season. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because he has been good. It's not the same story for Clark. Yeah, uh, the defense, back to them, though, um, overall, I, I think, you know, that I, like you were saying how uh, I said earlier that they need to kind of treat this as a loss. I mean, people are going to talk about those two Tom Brady interceptions, but outside of those, he had 345 yards and three touchdowns, and also Ronald Jones killed us on a couple drives. Um, and overall, the Bucks still had – 417 yards of total offense. Uh, that's got to get cleaned up. We allowed over seven yards per play. So uh, we got to clean that up. Allowed 20 first downs. That, that I just think can't that we, our run defense, all things considered, actually wasn't that bad. Because if you consistently watch the Buccaneers, uh, which I do because I hate Tom Brady, I think that Ronald Jones is their best player on offense. Everyone always talks about, oh, Tom Brady, he's 43 years old and bad. Everyone talks about Mike Evans, meh, Godwin, meh, A.B., eh. World-renowned blocking tight end Rob Gronkowski, washed. Ronald Hold Jones on, before is, you... Uh, well, I'm, let me just finish here. Uh, I just think ahead. we did a really good job stopping Ronald Jones, whereas a lot of other teams haven't. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to say is you mentioned jokingly uh, about Gronk. Um, again, like Gronkowski, he was kind of a skeleton his last year in New England. Wasn't really the same anymore. A lot of us made fun of him, uh, saying he's overhyped and stuff, going back to the Bucks, Like, the dude should just stay retired. And he's kind of he, – he's steadily gotten more involved this season and looks solid at times. Um, today, and one of our friends mentioned this before recording, Rob Gronkowski had his first 100-yard game since that game, uh, the Miami Miracle against the Dolphins. Uh, you fans, that's got to be concerning. You just let Rob Gronkowski in 2020 
have 106 receiving yards on you for a 17 yard average per yeah, catch. That's, that's embarrassing. Especially when before he was like, oh, I'm not expecting to get any targets. I came here to be a blocker and I'm going to block. I could have a whole podcast episode talking about this Buccaneers team and how much I hate them, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, so that's pretty much all the comments I had for this game. Uh, next week, we take on, if I look real quick, Broncos, because like you said, I forgot to, yeah, the Broncos in that second game. That I'm not too worried about that, and who knows? They still might not have a quarterback by next week. I, we don't know, but um, that should be an easy win if all goes well. But uh, anything else you wanted to add before we... We are uh, getting ready to play a team that had more interceptions than completions. We're fine next week. There you go. 